Hey, home growers, Parker Curtis here from Homegrown Cannabis Co. Before Chronic gets into another awesome podcast, I have another free seed deal to let you guys know about over at Homegrown Cannabis Co. We're giving away four free lemon drizzle autoflower seeds with every order. The sought after indica heavy hybrid is the ultimate evening dessert, filling your mouth with sweet flavors before sending you to bed. So head over to homegrowncannabisco.com, fill your basket and use code lemons. That's L-E-M-O-N-S at checkout. I'll be back later with some more info on this delicious strain. Enjoy the show. What's up, you amazing listeners and viewers tuning in from Homegrown Cannabis Co.'s YouTube channel. I'm Chronic from the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube, as well as your weekly host of the Homegrown Podcast brought to us by Homegrown Cannabis Co. So be sure to show them some major love. Head over to www.homegrowncannabisco.com, browse their top-notch cannabis seeds, and start your cultivation journey today. Which, in today's very special episode, you'll definitely want to follow along so you don't ever miss out any future episodes. We're going to be having a special guest back on this very, very, very awesome cannabis show. And his name is Kyle Cushman. So definitely give a huge round of applause to Kyle. Drop a fat dab or smoke a big bowl because he's going to be ripping some here soon of some absolute beautiful sticky icky green. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on to the show. I really am happy to have you back on the show and uh, ask you some questions. What's up, Derek? Or do I have to call you chronic? Oh, you can call me Derek. You don't have to call me chronic. <laughs> we don't. We don't want to out you in public here. Ooh, <laughs> the the mystery is lifted. Now, so what are you? Uh, what are you smoking on over there? What do you think? Strawberry cough. Oh, look at that. This, but yes, for sure, definitely. Strawberry cough every day, all day, every day, and then I switch over as the day progresses to some other strains, but. If I've got strawberry cough, that's what I'm smoking in the morning. Heck yeah. And, and you know, everybody knows it's your favorite sativa. If you've never, you know, if you're listening, if you never consumed strawberry cough, it is a seriously uplifting, uh, very tasteful, delightful smoke. What would you say you find with your strawberry cough as far as flavors and effects for yourself? Um, you know, it seems that everybody pretty much agrees that strawberry cough has the high, one of the most focused highs in the cannabis world. Um, it really just, uh, whatever you like to do, like if you're just getting ready to cook breakfast, you know, you take a couple hits of strawberry cough and all of a sudden you're like Julia Childs, you know, it's like, <laughs> if you, if you like mountain climbing, if you like riding a bike, you know, whatever it is, it, it not just enhances it, it literally helps you focus. Yeah, it, I, I completely agree with that because I smoked it a couple times and it really made me kind of want to just like hone in on what I was doing. So now to break away from all the strawberry top cough topics right now, because we will break into that because I know all the listeners have been dying for that. So many people have asked me, can uh, we get the story of strawberry cough? And Kyle Cushman has told it many, many a time. So I wanted to make this uh, interview a little bit more interesting for you viewers and listeners out there. And I want to go before the times of strawberry cough back in the days of when Kyle Cushman first started smoking cannabis. I want to hear about the first time you actually ever started smoking um, and what were some fun experiences of finding your own tolerance out like? Did you ever have any funny moments? out in the movie theater or in public or hanging out with your friends at a mall where you just felt a little maybe too anxious or a little too high 
Oh, wow. You brought back a really early story. <laughs> I was um, 16. I was in high school. I think I was a sophomore in high school or a freshman, one of the two. And uh, I had just started getting high like the year before, meaning I really didn't have any access to marijuana yet. You know, I wasn't really in with the cool kids. Yeah. I think I tried to buy buy some pot once or twice in like middle school in like eighth grade and probably bought a bag of oregano, you know? You got a little, you're sitting there like, yeah, this is good stuff. So, so I'm in high school. And, uh, so I made friends with a couple of, uh, older guys in the, uh, in the music theater club that I was in. And, uh, we're in the back of the bus and I'm getting high. On my way to, you know, on, on my way to school in the morning. And uh, we get there and I really couldn't walk. We were at school and my legs didn't work. I was, it was, it was so, you know how, um, you know, the high from cannabis is so situational. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that I was so excited for the fact that I was hot. I was doing something so wrong, so bad, you know, and, and every, and all the other good kids were all watching me, you know, so suddenly I, I was one of the bad kids and I was like making my rep. Yep. You're, you're becoming the, the cool kid in your own way. And here I was, my friend had to help me get up, like push me to get up and walk and then I go into homeroom and I get into a fight. I don't remember how or why. All I know is the next thing I'm rolling around on the floor with one of the kids and I get into a fight in homeroom. Hi. Dude, that's the worst thing you want to do. I bet you were sweating bullets there for a second after. You know what it was? I think he called me out. Ah. Oh. I think he wanted to out me that I was high. That's not cool scared the shit out of me yep. was like, you're not going to talk anymore. And I had to stop you from talking. <laughs> you're like, shut up, shut up. I'm going to jump on you. Oh, no, that's awesome. That We've all been there. Cause I remember I totally got obliterated one time and like, I was feeling that everybody knows I am absolutely out of my mind stoned. That is amazing. So your legs didn't work. Did they, well, obviously they eventually came back cause you were rolling around on the floor. <laughs> Did you get in trouble for it, though? That's the real question. Besides the fight, did you get in trouble for being high or did they not know? I can remember a few other times that I got in trouble in in high school and got caught. One time my mother had to come in and uh, keep them from calling the local police. And uh, another time I remember the pot. I I got called in and on my way into the office, somehow I managed to take the contraband and I threw it in one of the trash pails, like in the office of the Dean's office. And after they did all this and I was like, what, what, what? I sent a friend back in and he went in and recovered it out of the trash pail. (laughs) Dude, you gotta, you gotta tag team that teamwork. The, these are the fun shenanigans that Kyle Cushman used to get into. That's awesome. So, you know, aside from uh, being kind of a little bit of a hoodlum in high school, which is uh, totally what most rambunctious stoner kids do, you know, get into as far as trouble. And I'm sure back, um, you know, when you were smoking weed, it was probably a lot less, um, you didn't get as severely punished for it in a sense in high school, or was it looked at 
was there such ramifications back then where, that you guys were seriously scared of uh, being caught with it? Like, what was the punishment no, like back then? It was, it, it, you might as well have been caught with cocaine. Oh, wow. So it was pretty severe back then at that point for you. Yeah. It, like, it changed my relationship between me and my mother instantly. Oh, wow. Okay. So she started searching my room and finding oh. all my paraphernalia. Is this during the, the early 80s then? Or when, when is this time smoking? Yeah, this is like uh, early to, I, so I would have been 18 and 84. Okay. And uh, so this is like 82, 81. And uh, yeah, I eventually uh, like built a lock on the inside of my door. Which okay. was just like a piece of metal that I would throw over a <laughs> and, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, you know, um, I mean, it's it's no different though today, you know, if if a parent okay. finds their kid with, you know, young teen with marijuana, unless they're cool, I guess. I was gonna say hip. Yeah. I, I I would say hip, but that maybe that might show my age. I'm almost thirty over here, so maybe I'm old, getting older. So. Um, yeah, no, so you, you were part of the early dare scare and all that. So it definitely was looked at very horribly. Now, in your friend group, how many of there were you guys actually smoking? Was it a small, tight-knit group or was it a lot of people back in the day actually consuming cannabis? Because like, you know, now it is illegal in many states, but there are, I could name dozens of people I know in many states that um, do consume cannabis. And it seems like it's more frequent to see more and more it used in household, you know, uses. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Um, I th I'm pretty sure that things in high school haven't changed that much. Okay. As far as, you know, what people, what age, how many are, are having sex and how many are doing drugs and how many are drinking. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine it's, it's pretty much, you know, it might be up or down a little bit in there, but what was your click like? Were you guys a small click? I didn't break the mold, you know, See, okay. what, 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 what was, what was, this is definitely different. What was hard for me growing up boohoo was that, see, I was kind, I was always kind of eclectic meaning uh. that. So I was a druggie. And I used to like to I start experimenting with mushrooms and mm. acid and mescaline and, okay. and, you know, and all these things. But I also liked sports. So I played okay. baseball and I played tennis and the jocks didn't like druggies. Uh. So, so I never really could get accepted by the people who yeah. I wanted to play sports with. And then I also liked, you know, like the, the music theater and the chorus crowd. And okay. so back, they didn't really like the, the jocks. And ah. so I, I was always kind of the only people who fully accepted me were the druggies. Yep. That's it's so true, though. It's like the goth people are the druggies. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, come on over to our crew. <laughs> Um, that's so, so let's talk about sports because I actually haven't heard too much of, uh, you talk about sports in many of your interviews and your, and what, uh, you enjoyed. So, um, do you still have a fascination with sports? Are you still into doing athletic stuff is, uh, you know, what, what was that like in high school for you? I, I lettered as a freshman for the varsity tennis team. Oh, wow. That's actually really awesome. That was the height of my, uh, my junior athletics. Um, but I played a lot of baseball, a lot of softball. 
Um, uh, okay. I, I, was, I was a pretty okay pitcher. Actually, with High Times, we had a softball team in the New York Journalism League, the High Times Bong Hitters. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And, and we went 29 and 1 over three seasons. And I was the pitcher, and I ended up with like a 30 and 1 record or something. And uh, Holy cow. it was pretty spectacular. We got written up in all the, the like. It was pretty crazy that these stoners would beat, you know, the Wall Street Journal and yeah. uh, all these other pub Playboy and, like I said, it was the New York Journalism League. What years was this, if you don't mind me asking? This was um, like uh, 99, 2000, 2001. Um, cool. And it was one of the most fun things about living in New York was playing softball in Central Park with the back, the skyline in the background. Oh, uh, that's Watching cool. the sun go down and, yeah. and playing, you know, some competitive sports and, uh, and getting really high. <laughs> that's awesome. So if you had a chance to play some more softball or do any type of baseball type stuff or even tennis for high times again, would you uh, go back on that and uh, maybe take that opportunity again? I've often thought about starting up a local bong hitter softball team. Yes, that would be amazing. Yes, yes, that would be awesome. I would love to see that. Could have an awesome jersey with a big old leaf on the back. No, that'd be great. So now let's move a little bit forward uh, through high school. Now, after high school, what what was uh, Kyle Cushman up to? You know, you're still smoking. You're still doing kind of the uh, hoodlumish or frowned upon thing in society because it's still not famous. I'm guessing this is around 85, 86 when you're 18, 19, 20. I left home. In <clears throat> I left home at 16. Oh, wow. OK, so let's talk about 16 to 18. Shortly after I varsity and got my letter and did all this shit, I quit high school and I was out the door. I got a job at the James Way department store in Wrightstown, New Jersey, and started my life. And, uh, you know, it was a couple years later when I actually turned 18 that my pot dealer, Danny Pollock, don't know where he is these days. Shout, Shout out, out to Danny. Danny. <laughs> Ooh, he was fronting me weed. Uh, I had just moved into a two-bedroom, two-bath condominium with a walk-in closet. And he said, if you let me grow in your closet, I'll teach you how to grow. Oh. And at that point, I literally, it was like a mind bender because I'd never done any reading about it. And I didn't even know where marijuana came from. I'd never even really like pictured a marijuana plant. And yeah. so the thought of having it in my house I was like, and he brought over, he brought over an Emily's garden, which is one of the first hydroponic ebb and flow systems you could buy. It was like okay. a, a two, two gallon reservoir with a little ebb and flow container that sat on top of it. And it would pump the water up into the little geolite balls, hydroton, you know, and, uh, and he brought over like two plants and he brought over two tubs of powdered nutrient a grow and a bloom mm. and some ph test strips and a pool kit for testing ph yep and uh and a 400 watt light that i set up in my closet and the first buds i ever grew came out the size of like coke cans Ooh. and i was like your life is never going to be the same 
Yep. Kyle Cushman was born in that moment. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk about that. So harvesting, did you know that, hey, this plant's going to change my life? Like, I want to do something with this plant. Were you on a different career path at that point? Well, let's say I didn't get to harvest my first plant. Okay. So thus speak. So I came home from work one day. I was working at a, uh, at a car dealership. I was the uh, assistant used car manager. And I had told a couple too many people and I come home one day and there was a little three pound dumbbell weight thrown through my back door and I walk inside and it's all gone. Damn. So you learned a valuable lesson about security and and telling people. So at that moment, where did Cushman go? Um, You know, did you pick yourself up off the floor and say, you know what, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to get back into growing. How how long did it take you to get back into the into growing cannabis or get involved again? Well, at that moment, I had a really good friend. His name was John Cliver and he was my coke dealer. Okay, okay. And and, uh, John, Johnny was my best friend. And um, I had I had. I had to move out of my condominium and I moved into John's house with his girlfriend. Okay. And I set my waterbed up in his dining room off the kitchen. Waterbed. Okay. And I, and I moved, I moved in with my cat in with his two oh. dogs and two cats. And I lived in the living room and we grew in his extra bedroom upstairs. And that was oh. the first garden I ever grew. It was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey in like 19, 19- 88, 89, something like that. And I set up four lights, 4,000 watt lights with parabolic reflectors in a 12 by 10 bedroom and started all these plants, all these seeds that I got from Danny Pollock. Okay. And what what was the strain that you were growing back then? It was Northern Lights crossed with hash plant, crossed with... Northern Lights hash plant is, I believe it was. You don't really see true hash plants anymore. It was that pink plant that ended up on the cover of High Times. And and the first garden I ever grew, right? We were growing these plants and they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they were really healthy and pretty much they were, had almost grown to the ceiling. Oh, wow. And I didn't know what was going on. And I called Dan over and I I didn't know that you had to change the photo period. You had to change the light period. So you just have these monstrous plants. He came over and he told me what was wrong. And he said, do you have any hedge clippers? Uh, Me and my buddy John, we went, hedge clippers? Why do you want hedge clippers? Because I'm going to chop these motherfuckers in half so that you can flower them. And so we went and got a pair of hedge clippers and you went in there, these plants that we've been growing probably for three months or something, you know, yep. and we went in there and chop, 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 chop. And we're all you like, guys are like, oh, oh my God, <laughs> the whole room full of plants chops them in half from like six foot plants down to three foot plants. Mm-hmm. And that was my first, that was our first harvest. Oh my gosh. So what were the... How much did they stretch after he chopped them? Did it do like another 200%? Look, all I remember is, is that my first harvest caused me and my Coke dealer to quit doing Coke and start selling weed. And, and that literally was a, a transformation from the people 
um, our mindset, you know, energy it probably opposite. like vibes. It, it, it was amazing. It was the opposite of the uh, uh, gateway. It was the the opposite, you know. And see, people like to argue it's a gateway drug that would put you on to that. And see, here you were telling the whole world that it not only helped you, but your your coke dealer changed their lives around. It 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 it, it the the gateway drug was saying that marijuana was the same as Coke and heroin and putting it on the same schedule one drug list as all these harsh things. Because then when kids think about trying one, you know, they, and they think they, they try and they go, this isn't so bad. Well, I should try heroin. I should yeah. try cocaine. It's the opposite of what people really think. So yeah, I like sharing that story, you know, and my, so John Cliver ended up, um, his name was Waldo. We call Waldo, him Waldo. Okay. I wrote my uh, one a story about him. It called called Where's Waldo. That appears awesome. there was two Waldo stories, and then I took him to uh, Amsterdam. Uh, he had spina bifida, and oh, the okay. catering could get around with those those little cuffs that went around those uh, uh, walkers, right? Right. But most of the time, he was in a wheelchair, and friends would push him around in Amsterdam, and they named a strain after him. It was called the Waldo. Oh, and that's cool. yeah, he's in the Bible by Jason King and, uh, he, he passed away, uh, at Eddie Lepp's place out in Mendocino that oh. year that he grew that crop that he ended up, uh, doing 10 years in the pen for. And, wow. uh, yeah, he died on that's, Eddie Lepp's floor. Wow. That is a very rest, rest in peace. And my condolences to everyone, you know, during that time period, he sounds like a very amazing soul. And it's, it's, it's really amazing. Like, uh, you know, Waldo's a strain, like Jack Herrera. It's, it's really nice to be able to monument or uh, memorialize someone into a strain, you know, kind of is their personality of that strain. So that's really cool. Um, now to move away for some maybe sadder topics, we can move on to a little more happier memories for you. Um, what was it like after uh, stepping forth through all that and um, harvesting? I'm sure at this point in your life, maybe you're writing early articles or you're starting to step foot into the uh, cannabis realm of uh, maybe teaching or selling or what was it like after that period? How did you step a into time between that and then, you know, okay. uh, maybe, maybe, you know, almost 20 years, you know, from being 20 to 30, well, 35, you know, thir my early thirties is when I moved out to um, Mendocino. Okay. Quit my job at High Times, okay. and uh, uh, that's when I started teaching. Because that's the eight right. years, the, eight, the the five years that I did in New York writing for High Times, mm -hmm. that was a whole education right then. Because yeah. I had taken on a job, you know, everybody else around me had degrees, and they went to college, and uh, and I was hired uh, as a journalist, mm -hmm. someone who quit high school. So I'd actually taken on quite a, uh, a load. I mean, you, you, something that I wasn't sure that I could accomplish, and I did. I, 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 I my dad was an English teacher, so I did okay. have a good vocabulary. And um, yeah, you've always been very well spoken in all your interviews and how you, uh, you know, go about speaking for yourself. Thank you. Well, you know, flash forward, I'm 55 now. And, you know, I learned a lot at High Times. High Times was kind of my finishing school. I learned how to write there. I okay. learned I learned that I 
Were there any in particular mentors that kind of helped you at high times? Was it like a specific editor or was it a specific person or did, was he, were these skills that you kind of just. It was just really being accepted there at high mm-hmm. times that, you know, that I, I worked really hard. I, I wrote 13 feature articles my first year. I had wow. to get one each month and somehow I got two stories in one of the feature uh, in one of the uh, issues and it was really fun and you know the editors that's what mm-hmm. I'd have to say is there's no really one in special but when I got started I, I'm sure that I was a really terrible writer and I got the ideas out there but the editors made it look like I could write before I actually learned how to write ah and okay so so, you know, so I put the time in and I, I was tasked yeah. with going on a lot and I had to go to all the normal conferences and all the Boston Freedom Rallies and all the hemp fests. And, and that was really fun. And that's how I that's how I became Kyle Cushman was by going to all these places in public and building a public persona. And I never planned any of that. <laughs> I, just, I just welcomed it and and took it on wholeheartedly and still to this day i believe that as long as i take care of the cannabis community the cannabis community will take care of me i 100 percent couldn't agree with that statement more i think uh from my own perspective you've helped educate me through the years just through your videos through the interviews just through all the various educational content your articles um high times magazine snippets just your reviews on specific strains i think you've definitely helped shape um, where strains have go, gone um, and uh, pioneered some of the, uh, I guess, requirements for a good strain to win a cannabis cup. Most definitely uh, have input and benefited the cannabis community immensely. So I think from everyone on my side of the spectrum who's watched you for many years, thank you with you know from the bottom of our hearts for everything you do. So I think as long as you continue to support, like you said, it's the support's gonna be uh, you know by viewing your videos and supporting all the events you do and everything. So it's been amazing. So um, early in your career, when you became Kyle Cushman, when you were really getting the not to say limelight, but cannabis cups were kind of becoming uh, more popular. You've become known for strawberry cough at this point, and everyone thinks that you're the owner and the person. We don't have to get into that. We already dove into that the first interview, which if you listeners want to listen to, you can go check that out. Um, so you're, you're Kyle Cushman now. You've already had dedicated years at high times, and now you're on your own growing. I want to know what it was like for you looking back on it as smoking cannabis the first time up until the point that you smoked strawberry cough. And did you know that that plant was going to change your life with that first smoke? Well, first I want to say something that I've never actually said out loud. And that is that, you know, um, when I came to California and started growing up with, you know, Eddie Lepp and the Dukes of Mendo and shit and started teaching, that was all, important and pivotal teaching at Oaksterdam and peace and medicine, you know, but then I got the chance to come down to Southern California and work with buds and roses. Okay. And that's what gave me the opportunity to enter my cannabis into all the cups. Oh, okay. And we entered cups for, I think it was two years. Yeah. We won our first one. Did you guys place any or did you guys just like, they no, 
No, no, no. Actually, yeah, we had played. We had seconds and we had thirds. Okay. okay. Two years we didn't win a first cup, first place. Okay. And um, I don't know. I think it was uh, that we were using my Vega Matrix early, early on, and I was mm. still designing, and I was still working out the recipe chart. And then okay. we nailed it, and I won my first cup with strawberry cough, and wow. that was. In- in like 2012, I think. And okay. uh, so for everybody who thinks that I had it easy and they were just giving them out, it took us two years to win our first cup. And then we went on over the next two or three years to win like 15. Yeah, I was going to say you won like 12 to 13, right? Over the next few years is like crazy. I personally credit myself with having something to do with like 13 of them. Yeah. And um, <laughs> And so I, I just wanted to credit that, you know, that that was a transition that that I couldn't have made on my own. So the Buds and Roses guys helped me get that credibility, you know. And awesome. um, so so that was really, really cool. Um, what was it like working uh, with the guys at Buds and Roses? Any in particular growers that you really learned some crazy things from or any grow techniques? I was the teacher. And oh, but, OK. Right? was is that I was free to now grow on a large scale besides just my garage. And so like, well, that's where I got my real chops to think that I could run a warehouse, you know, or, you know, a a, a commercial grow, you know? And so I'm really, really thankful for that. And so that's why I wanted to, you know, give props for that. Um, The first time I, what's interesting is, is that um, I didn't, get to really smoke strawberry i had to grow it before i oh, got to smoke. okay and, and i didn't even grow it my buddy andre grossman who was living in manhattan and uh, he, had a, he had a tiny little grow i gave him the, the clone the one clone that was given to me from Wood, woodbridge connecticut and i said you will grow this and he's like oh, what do you mean i'm growing the sensi star the cannabis cup with <laughs> You have a room for 10 little tiny plants. I said, mm-hmm. trust me, grow this. And three years later, it became the number one delivery weed in New York City. And that's what ended up making it get into children of men. And, you know, it's all crazy sliding doors, you know. So what was it like, I guess, or what has it been like for you all these years with getting credited for things like, because you do talk about it where people credit you for things that you actually didn't do. And it's like a headache sometimes, but what has it been like overall for you just seeing this strain that you worked really hard on and maybe just not to say strawberry cough is your prize or your, your, your very hard work or that, that like trophy sitting on your shelf, you know, that you really love to polish and keep clean, but what is it like seeing strawberry cough become as popular as you would love, or I'm sure dreamed of it to have been? You know what it kind of feels like? I just, I just thought of this. It's kind of like as if like I was the singer in a band and I sung uh, a, like a, a, a number one hit, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't write the song, okay? And I'm not even a musician. Okay, I'm just a singer. I sang the song, did a really good job. And, you know, now it's like 40 years later, 30 years later, and everybody's all dead. And I'm the only one left. Okay, and everybody wants to give me all the credit for the song and say, how is it? And I'm like, it was really great singing the song. (laughs) I still love singing the song. I sing it every fucking day. 
It makes me happy. I love sharing it with other people. Um, you know, um, that's that that cracks me up because I love what you're going, where you're going with this because I feel you on that. Because watching your interviews, I have watched you reiterate yourself that you did not create the strain about a thousand times easily. No, I don't know what the major, you know, there's, there's three <laughs> factors. Okay. One, the big one is that when I moved from New York to California, I filled my trunk with about a hundred strawberry cough clones yes. and I gave them out in every state. I knew anybody along the way across the whole country. Get it out. And then those people gave it to other people and those people gave it to other people. And everybody said, where'd you get it? Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Cushman, Kyle Cushman, Kyle Cushman, Kyle Cushman. Okay. And then in like, when I moved, I moved in, uh, uh, 04 to Mendo in 05, I got a lifetime achievement award, a Jack Herrera lifetime achievement. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. And, um, and Jack was there mm -hmm. and, uh, and so was Jason King. And I gave him, uh, two ounce bud that couldn't fit in a wide mouth mason jar. I had to squeeze it to get it in there. Okay. A top. And he interviewed me and I told him just like I told everybody else. And he wrote in the can of Bible. I think it's the volume two. Yeah. That I created it. Or uh. if, he didn't say, if he didn't say I created it, he just never said I didn't. So it's worded enough. She just said Kyle Cushman's strawberry cough is oh. or something like that. And so now he sold a half a million of those books. Yep. And, and then it's just the simple association of me carrying it around over time. So long, 25 years now, you know, I've lost it and reacquired it myself. Okay. Five separate times that I know of. Woo! So you lost your mom and asked, and you had to get a new one. Yeah, Andre Grossman mailed it to me two separate times, <laughs> New York and once from Colorado. No, both of them from New York. Oh, that's legit. That's what's up. Yeah, and just recently I got it back from somebody here in the Valley okay. who got it from the person I gave it to when I lived up in Mendo. So it was oh, a, it was oh, a cool. handoff. You know, okay, because that's let, me awesome. tell, let me tell you what, one of the times I got it back from somebody I gave it to, I got it back like five years later, it had morphed. Like, like leaves don't look the same, bud didn't look the same. The buds had become conical and long where they used to be chunky and short. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, you think it did? Was it because of the environment out there where they were growing it or just because of maybe they took the clone and kept cloning the, the mother? You know, I don't know. But I think that it had mostly to do with the way they were keeping the mother. Mm. I don't know how it could have such a drastic but I have seen a few videos on this topic about, yeah. you know, if you give it to one person yeah, and, and you give it to another person and they live, you know, and they, they just have such varying styles. Even like environmental conditions, like the plant will change and stuff. 
Well, you know, like uh, food. Mm, yeah. So like salt based versus organic or something. All of its life, it, it had been it had been on organic and veganic food, and then all of a sudden now it's getting rocket fuel. That could yeah. click some, that could click some box boxes, and uh-huh. and you know so there's other I, I I don't know I tell you I'm just really really that's so wild because I the only times I've seen that is like when it's like they go for like generations from the mother you know they keep cloning off but if it's like the clo- I I would only expect that being like a response to the plant either having like root lock problems or feeding differences. I have no idea. There's so much that we don't know. And and this plant, we do know that it is pretty miraculous. And, um, you know, uh, Kevin Pollack, who wrote uh, uh, Botany of Desire, you know, uses okay. over whether we have carried the plant around for centuries or whether the plant has carried us around, you know, <laughs> that is- like, it's so um, it's so pivotal in the evolution of mankind. You know, we talk about how much more peaceful the human race could be oh, if absolutely. we're tuned in a little bit more, but just imagine how much more violent we might be if the plant never had never. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that completely. And, and for those wondering, um, it, it's, it's existed for thousands of years in script. Um, it's the first to mention in a list of over 10,000 Chinese medical herbs. Uh, cannabis has been in, in centuries and centuries of writing since the dawn of time. So I agree with you completely on that. Um, uh, cannabis over time and uh, along with uh, various other things like mushrooms um, can be helpful for the psyche to put someone into perspective to allow them to um, kind of drop their ego, you know, humble yourself in a way to allow another person's perspective into your own life and have conversations like you and I have and, and, uh, enjoy the world the way it is and enjoy life. Like you're sitting there playing with your dog, you know, even simple things like that, just enjoying the time you have on this earth. Um, I think cannabis has absolutely aided in, um, people's perspective changes and shifts over time. So I love that comment and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, just, a continue our conversation on strawberry cough and this really great enlightenment talk. I kind of want to go into what Kyle Cushman has done all the years for hobbies and social outings when you like to smoke, because we all have our little hobbies and things. Is there anything in particular? Do you like painting? Do you like to go hiking? What's your favorite absolute peaceful thing to do when you smoke? I'm a pretty simple man. And, um, you know, that's why I kind of live, um, even though I live in LA, I live with a lot of greenery. Oh, very right. pretty. And, um, you know, I can really get off on just nature. So I do like to walk around and hike up in the hills. And, uh, but just, just sitting in the backyard. Next to that is like, is, is the opposite. I like to get in my car and mm. I have a convertible. Okay. And, go in the back roads, you know, like I said, where it, and, and not race around, 
but literally like make to put all the settings so that the motor's really quiet and I'm just rolling down the road. I can't even hear the tires or the engine and just kind of just, it's, it's like I'm part of nature. Yeah. You're just hearing the birds and like the rustle of the leaves and everything. Yeah. That's, but I'm, that's but I'm moving along at 40, yeah. 50, 40, 30, 40 miles an hour. And have you ever and, ridden a motorcycle? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I have a huge scar on my right leg Ooh. from breaking my, my fib and my tib and spending 14 months on my back with external fixation, which means there were rods between my leg. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's talk about like maybe when you started growing, um, right as you started teaching or what was after that motorcycle incident, like cannabis wise for you, how many years followed? Were you teaching? Like what was, what was it kind so of like for the was- early 2000s? No, when I was I had that motorcycle accident, I was still a pot dealer. Okay. And but no, actually, I had started growing, and that, and I had, I was living, I was growing with uh, John Cliver, my okay. partner. We had moved out of his. I had moved out of his house in Cherry Hill. Remember, I said I was growing in his bedroom. Yeah. We had rented. A, we had rented an apartment together. Okay. In in a Section Eight housing development in Delran, New Jersey, Ooh. and so now. So now my my waterbed was in the living room of yep. my upstairs one bedroom apartment, and we had uh, four lights on two ten foot light rails, light movers going back and forth in the room, yeah. and we had two four tray quantum hydro farms. Oh, uh, okay, the- yes, yes. You remember those the trays that yep. led back into? So I had so I had six arms, so I had twelve arms spread out okay. under four lights in like okay. a bedroom that was like eighteen by twelve. Ooh, that was and, packed. <laughs> and I had this motorcycle accident and went back and had to take care of this garden. And I remember hopping around on one leg with buckets of water from the bathroom oh into the bedroom. And I <laughs> Another time, I was the, the light movers were on dolly, were on carriers. They hooked up to okay. these carriers that had a chain that moved them back and forth. Did they have and, the safety chain in case they fell or broke that it would well, like hold it? I did was I was moving the I was watering or something or and I wanted to move the light so that it wasn't in my eye. And suddenly yes. the carrier came off the end of the rail and so i'm standing on one leg with a full leg cast on the other one and i'm holding a fully lit thousand watt light uh vertically like this it's glowing brightly and and i don't know how exactly i did this but i remember i hopped up on top of i took the ballast off of a milk crate Okay, so you like you you were like probably using your other foot. The ballasts were always on milk crates, so that if you had a spill, you wouldn't fucking start a fire. So yep. I put the ballast down <laughs> on the floor, and then I put the milk crate in front of me, and I hopped up on the milk crate with one leg, which now made me tall enough to put the carrier back onto the thing so that I could All jump. All in a in. cast. Yeah. All in a cast. All in a cast. Kyle Cushman, people, he is an acrobat. <laughs> So for those who don't know, and you've never handled a thousand watt HPS bulb, those suckers get about 1300 to 1400 degrees. It's no joke. 1300, yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So he's about, he was about half a second to become a human torch real quick, like really fast. 
Well, you know, back in the day, you usually got yourself your creds by getting a few skin patches. <laughs> I've seen those. Blade from gardening in there and stuff. I've seen a farm. One of the old Grass City forums was a bunch of farmers who posted shoulder scars from bumping the lights, literally. Like, and I, I had a fear of that because I had one HPS light once, and it was a four hundred watt. And I got my hand close enough, and I almost burned myself. And boy, that was no fun. When you get to continue the strawberry cough story, you've been, it's ninth, let's go to maybe 2002 to 2005. At this point, you've already been dedicated growing. You've got your setup. You're probably potentially teaching at this point. And uh, strawberry cough is becoming something in itself big. It's starting to become household name in more than just New York and various other states at this point, correct? You're starting to spread it through California. And what was that like in California when you first moved out there? Well, I did come out there with strawberry cough. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, <laughs> that was the only strain that I brought with me across, across the country. And, um, it was received pretty well, but still there wasn't too many people that I knew that was willing to grow uh, mm. a 10 week sativa. Okay, so it's still like too long of a sativa for most people, normal growers, then to want to grow? We're growing grape ape and train wreck and monkey balls and um, <laughs> Mendo perps. And, okay. Uh, was that Afghan big back then? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, so, you know, again, look, when I first came out to California, mm -hmm. first place I lived, um, I had to move after being there for about six months oh. because, because the landlord came to me and he said, look, Kyle, he says, I can't rent to you anymore. I said, why? Haven't I been a good uh, uh, tenant? He said, yeah. it's not he said it's uh, uh, the, the people are getting a little itchy. I was at a party the other night and they said that there's a journalist in town and his name is Kyle Cushman. And they weren't saying some pretty nice things. It was like back then it, it was like I was giving away some crazy secret, you know, like Mendocino. Uh, OK. You know? And uh, and I was welcomed because I came with the credibility of being a teacher and being willing to, you know, put my theories and my methods on there, on the line. And that's what I did from day one. I, that's what I always did. So when I moved to uh, uh, Mendo, it was kind of challenging because of course there was a lot of really good growers there. And I'm this dude from New York and everybody here is a generational grower. They've been taught by somebody who was taught by somebody who was taught by somebody, you know? And so it was all a really, really unique nexus of, you know, I'm a gorilla grower from New York, but I got these creds from high times for writing stories to help other people grow. And just again, I still try to appreciate the fact that I get to talk to people like you and <laughs> share these crazy stories and, you know, and just inspire other people to, uh, you know, to go out and find a crazy life that makes them happy too.
That's awesome. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. We're going to wrap it up with a few more questions here because we are coming up on the hour marker. And, and I really have enjoyed all the stories and the time uh, that you ta you've taken out of your day, especially with the crazy power outage and all that. So thanks for making this work. And uh, we're going to wrap it up with just um, from that point to now. Kyle Cushman has become a cultivar with character with Homegrown. You've gone to do your own show now. You have multiple interviews um, behind you. What have been some of your favorite moments, um, whether it's uh, talking with people like Nikki and Swami? Oh, those look nice. What are these here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting with the old shit first, and I'm not really expecting very much. Um, so I'm just going to sprout them in water and see what comes up and then I'll, uh, I'll plant them from there. But, um, I'm thinking I'm going to have to throw away a lot of old. Ah, okay. Sour diesel times cherry lip. Oh, oh, cherry Lopez. I haven't seen in a minute. Uh, what is this one? What is this one? Cherry. Is that cherry haze? Is that what that says? Yeah. Mm, very nice. Very nice. The rest of these are all acronyms. You're not going to. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they like from the 80s, 90s kind of seeds, or are you early 2000s type seeds? They're that old. They're from Mendo, which is like okay. some of them are like, fuck, they're like going on 15 years old. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's awesome. Well, that's exciting. So, um, you know, I'll, I'm going to break. I'll go back to my original question before I got uh, sidetracked by those beautiful seeds that you're germinating. germinating. Um, what are your methods for old seeds? Do you do any... Uh, what is it? The sandpaper scratching or do you do any peroxide in your water? Um, I just uh, put a few flecks of kelp in there. So you get some little gibberellins, little oxens mm, and, okay. and, and just soak them really good. I mean, um, I thought for a while there that I probably could have prepared a bath for the seeds first, yeah. you know, with some peroxide or something. Mm -hmm. And more O2. And then rinse them. And then put them into my little, uh, my little, you can see the solutions a little, like, it's like just purple. It's like brownish. Mm -hmm. Is it you like know? what, like one to two drops of kelp per, per like gallon or something? I literally made like a gallon and I literally took like, like, like a pinch. It's just a powdered kelp. Oh, okay. Just like enough to color the water. Okay. So if you guys are using germ genie from homegrown, you could probably just do like one or two drops basically essentially is what he's uh, talking about. And that would be the same thing. It'd be a nice kelp. Uh, that's going to be exciting to see which of those pop and how healthy the tap roots are. So uh, with these future pro uh, projects and all the projects that you've had um, at your hands and disposal so far, even this last year, what have been some of the um, more fun connections that you've been able to make? Have you gotten to, uh, meet people that you always dreamed of meeting. Um, were there any standout, you know, connections that maybe they left a, uh, a word of advice or a piece of advice with you that will stick with you forever? Hmm. Again, I just feel really lucky to have been able to associate with, oh my goodness, the likes of like, you know, Mel Frank and yeah. And Ed Rosenthal and Jorge Cervantes and uh, and Jack Herrer and uh, you know, Todd McCormick and just there's just so many people that you know um, you know from Vivian McPeak who co-founded the Seattle Hemp Fest. Oh and, wow, that's cool. You know, just 
there's just so many fighters. You know, we used to call them at high times. We used to call them freedom fighters. Mm-hmm. And there was a freedom fighter of the month. And, I remember uh, that. You guys would do like the, yeah. Hats, you know, and uh, <clears throat> just so many people that, you know, just passed on a, uh, 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 a feeling of responsibility that I carry with me um, to further, you know, the cannabis community however I can yeah. uh, until there are no more people in jail and yep. uh, cannabis is just, you know, not an issue anymore. Well, that's awesome. And so speaking of just all the people you've met, cause you named so many great people, um, have there been any in particular ranches or farms or grow operations that you've, that stuck out to you in this last year that you've been really proud to help with, or, um, that you've been excited to take on as far as consulting or, you know, getting hands on just having fun for yourself. Well, Nikki and Swami Lestretto, they, they, they have one of the most amazing, beautiful spots on earth. It's literally yes. in the heart of the Emerald Triangle, the, the, the nexus, the center. And they grow in a, they're going to have to forgive me, uh, in, in, in a, a pattern that's related to their, the, their, their spirituality. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, uh, a geometric pattern. And mm-hmm. you guys have filmed it from, from, from. Yeah, above. It's crazy. You can see the geometric pattern. And they just, they just live a really amazing, simple, beautiful life, uh, natural, organic life, you know, living off the land as much as they can. And I was privileged to live and I had a house up in Mendo for about five years and uh, Mendocino County, that is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, visiting, visiting those guys, it's a trek to get up there, you know? Yeah, I've and heard that. I haven't seen them in a few years, but um yeah, that's uh, those guys. If I if if I could convince my wife, that's what I would want to do. I'd want to get a piece yeah. of land up in Mendo and get some goats and some chickens. And uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So you want a homestead? So is that Kyle Cushman's dream goal at the end of the day? Is like you'd like to have your own cannabis ranch? You know, whatever comes. I'm just I'm just happy to be here, man. I mean, oh, I think yeah. LA is taking its toll a little bit, you know, and maybe it's time mm-hmm. for me to go back to the woods and live like a country mouse again. Yeah, you got the, you can get the hair, get the uh, beard going, man. You can you can start being like a, a whole mountain man. Get rid of these brown circles under my eyes. I think I look oh. a little tired. No, you look great. I've enjoyed this conversation. I can't thank you so much for all the stories. Uh, for those of you wondering, oh, Nikki Lestretto and Swami Chaitanya are other cultivars with characters, which Kyle Cushman is a cultivar with character. And if you'd like to check out his strains available on Homegrown Cannabis Co., they are on our website and they are some phenomenal strains. I've grown them myself. They were absolutely wonderful. The flavors were great. Um, And Nikki and Swami are other cultivars with character. And we have some episodes coming out with them on Outdoor Grow Series that you guys can check out the farm that Kyle was actually mentioning. So if you guys want to hear any of that or any of the various stories um, that maybe we didn't break into, like why he's called Kyle Cushman, um, how he got his name. Um, maybe why people think strawberry cough is all that. We did that in the first interview, so you could totally check that one out. Um, the interviews from now on, whenever we have Kyle back, we're going to get into more fun stories. And I can't, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. It was a lot of fun today. Thank you. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, everybody, please go follow Kyle Cushman 420 on Instagram. Is that the uh, Instagram page? And what's your Facebook page? Kyle you, Facebook? you know, I don't have control of my Facebook page, so boycott it. Yeah, boycott that Facebook page. All right. And that's a that's a public service announcement. So if you want to get a hold of uh, Kyle Cushman, I know that was a big one. People do in, in, impersonate him. So it's only going to be Kyle Cushman 420 on Instagram. That's literally pretty much the only way you're going to get a hold of them. Man, I can't get Facebook. They, they sent it's such a pain in the ass. They blocked me, too. So I feel you. I've I've been uh, ixnayed from the Facebook group. I can't do messenger either. <laughs> What's up? Even though the, I said, at least we got Instagram, even though the bots on Instagram freaking suck. Yeah, they 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 tend to hit uh, various pictures that don't make sense because they only take down like really dumb ones, and it doesn't. I I could vent for days about Instagram, but yes, at least we have Instagram. We can be active on there. We can help people. Uh, we're gonna do more episodes, so expect more episodes and fun stuff. And a uh, big round of applause. Hit that like button. Hit that follow button for Kyle because he did have power outage today, and he still came on, hung out, and look, he's telling you where to press all over the screen, guys and gals. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. You guys already know, check out www.homegrowncannabiscode.com for your top-notch seeds. You can browse all of the crazy strains that we talk about and snag them. Um, if you want to chat with me or Kyle, if you have questions for Kyle, you can drop them over at www.homegrowncannabiscode.community. Tag chronic at K-R-O-N-I-C. Ask me a question that you have for him and I'll ask it the next time we have a chat. Thank you guys for watching. Much love, happy growing and peace. Thanks Chronic for another amazing podcast and thank you home growers for listening. Remember to like, follow and give the podcast a five-star rating. Remember to use code LEMONS, that's L-E-M-O-N-S over at homegrowncannabisco.com to pick up your free lemon drizzle auto seeds with anything you buy. Happy growing and see you in the garden.